I want to thank you for joining us in person. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us online. We pray that you have sensed God's presence in wherever place you are joining us from, just as we have sensed his presence in here this morning. Good Friday is just another Friday without Resurrection Sunday. Without Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday is just another Friday. It's just another day that is forgotten, another week that has passed, and another rebel that has been crucified on the cross for stirring up an insurrection. But because Jesus rose from the dead, because Sunday was always coming, we today recognize Good Friday as the day that God took ashes and made them beautiful, the day that he covered the darkness of sin with the scarlet flow of his crimson blood. It is the day that we celebrate who Jesus Christ is to us. So it is good to have everyone here in their Easter vest. Thank you. for You only get that joke if you watched our promo on social media. Easter, just so you know, is, is the most exciting of all services for anyone connected to church because it's the week that everyone comes together and they wear the shirt that their wife picked out for them. I assumed because it was in my cart on Amazon that I was supposed to order it, and I was correct. Easter, as I've attempted to communicate to people who may not understand the significance from a pastoral aspect, but, but if, if a pastoral staff and a leadership team and dream team members connected and involved in a church had a Super Bowl, it would be six services between Friday and Sunday for people to have the opportunity to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because Easter is the proof that we have placed our faith in the right person. Easter is the proof that Jesus Christ was not just another lunatic stirring an insurrection, but he was the Son of God, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords as long as we truly receive him. Over the years, I've had a little bit of pushback on using the word Easter. Um, so I decided this year to look up the etymology, and then I had to look up how to pronounce etymology. That is the history or the study of the origin of a word. I know that sounds appetizingly exciting, so I'll just go into it. The word Easter in most English languages has historically just been intertwined with the Hebrew word Pesach, which means Passover. So just as the death angel passed over the Israelites in the book of Exodus, because the blood was applied to the threshold of the doors, so shall death, sin, and darkness 
destruction and the plan of the enemy pass over our lives because we are protected and covered by the blood of the Lamb. Because Jesus, the one Easter is actually about, is the fulfillment of the Passover. One source, a 7th century scholar that people get stuck on, said that Easter was named after a pagan goddess of the dawn during the spring equinox. But other sources, most sources, say that Easter came from the old Germanic word Ostah, meaning east, which in turn came from the classical Latin word aurora, meaning dawn. The idea is that the sun rises from the east at dawn. I was reading my Bible this week, and I noticed that it said on the third day, the Son of God that had been placed in the tomb from the crucifixion proclaimed dead. Three days later, when Mary and the women came to anoint the body of Jesus, they found an empty grave. And they found two angels there proclaiming to them. While they were on their way back to Simon Peter and John, who outran Simon Peter back to the grave for all of us to know, the spirit of competition was still alive and well. And they realized that the victory had already been won because just as the sun rises from the east at the dawn, the Son of Man has risen from the grave, and we remember it every morning that his mercies are made new. That is why we have prioritized this day. What is the point? The point is humanity will always take God's intent and twist it with selfishness and immorality because unfortunately it is always easier to be selfish than it is to surrender and that is not just an unbeliever principle that is an everybody principle the truth is everything as we go back to the origin of it all everything has a designer I have a picture to illustrate. It's just a silly little cartoon. I was hesitant to even do it on Easter. It's a little bit cheesy, but you see this little chubby man. He's looking up at this architectural masterpiece, and he says, this building, what a marvel of architectural design. Over in the next picture, he's looking at a painting, and he says, what a mastery of technique this artist has shown in his painting and finally he walks over to what would be for me a 2022 Corvette with the engine in the back and he recognizes the mechanical genius of this machine he then walks out after the storm and sees the rainbow which was always intended to be the sign of God's promise and never the symbol of man's pride. He sees the waterfall coming over the edge of the handcrafted cliff. He sees the animals and the array of the earth that Paul writes to the church in Rome. We are without excuse by just acknowledging, and he says clearly, no one made any of this. The world, the unbeliever, the people who struggle with their faith, 
those who are not willing to surrender their lives to God, we all recognize that everything has a designer except the universe. Everything has a designer except the earth that if shifted just .07 degrees on its axis would burn up or freeze over. Except for the human brain with more neurons and synapse than the stars in the sky. Except for the human body with the DNA structure so dynamic that they are currently going back over a thousand years to identify those who belong in the Levitical priestly line so that they can prepare them to be robed and ready when the third and final temple is built in Jerusalem. We trace everything back to who God is. And here's what we know. If everything has a designer, then everyone has a creator. See, Easter is the time when our God conscience is at its height. It's why we have so many extra chairs put out. It's why we have so many people running around and trying to help others find parking places. Because we understand that on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, we get to see the potential of what Jesus said he wanted to build and the gates of hell would not prevail against. If everyone prioritized gathering together in the name of the King of Kings the way that we do on Easter, then Acadiana would be transformed for the kingdom of God. It is the time that we celebrate what separates Christianity from any other system of faith. That we have a God who cares so much about relationship with us that he came down from his throne and he gave his life on the cross called Calvary. No other system of faith has what the follower of Jesus has. So I declare today that we don't follow or believe that Charles Darwin discovered what the earth wanted to reveal through evolution, a theoretical hypothesis that nothing from nowhere coincidentally exploded into everything everywhere. It is interesting to note that the same scientist who would argue against the idea of a creator or the idea of a designer is right now in 2022 arguing for the ability of an individual, even a child, to choose their own gender despite their DNA. Now, I'm not trying to pick on a certain sect of society or on a certain individual. All I'm attempting to do today is expose the hypocrisy of humanity. See, the tendency for us is that we only embrace truth if it fits our preference. If truth fits what we want to do, where we want to go, and if truth fits how we feel, then we embrace it. And by the way, again, this is not just an unbeliever principle. This is a problem in the house of God. 
This is a communist problem. This is a socialist problem. It's a liberal problem. It's a conservative problem. I can't get no help this morning. It's a libertarian problem. It's a legalistic problem. It's an arrogant problem. It's a man, woman, and child kind of problem. None of us like to be told to deny yourself Take up your cross and follow Jesus into places you didn't want to go and things you want to do. But God said, in order to be defined as my disciple, you will do just this. The good news is, our Heavenly Father knew all of that. He knew that next week, we would be missing 300 people from the services this week. So he came up with a plan. In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, the Bible says this For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. The mind that is set on the flesh ignores the authenticity and the likelihood of a designer. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to the desires of God because it's consumed with the desire for self. For it does not submit to God's law because it's always easier to be selfish than it is to surrender. Indeed, the Bible says it cannot. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh, those who decide to be promiscuous, premaritally and extramaritally, those who decide to engage in drunkenness and revelry, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now that's discouraging. But Paul didn't stop writing. All I did, please don't misunderstand my statements as taking shots at people sitting in this room. What I did was just told you who I was apart from Jesus. I was just explaining to you the story that God is still writing in the life of this man. Number nine, verse nine, you, however, thank God. Thank God he didn't leave me there. Thank God he didn't give up on me no matter how far I had gone. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Thank God he never left me alone, even when I told him to. You are in the spirit if, that's a big word. You're not in the spirit because your grandparents are in the spirit. You're not in the spirit because you showed up on Easter Sunday. You're not in the spirit because you grew up in the Bible belt buckle of South Louisiana instead of the hills or the mountains of Kenya. You're not in the spirit because you're in the spirit if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, verse 10, but if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, everything points to the resurrection. 
Stop arguing about behavior and start pointing every person to believe that Jesus Christ was who he said he was because he did what he said he would do. So if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I normally know what I am going to preach or what I'm supposed to preach for Easter months in advance, and we start planning. This year, our team kept asking me, and I could not answer because I kept asking God, and he wouldn't tell me. And then just a few weeks ago, longtime pastor in this community Blaine Francois, who led us into prayer this morning, stood up on this platform and began to redefine the God that we serve in this day. And based on a 30-second introduction to prayer that week, I wrote in my phone the Easter message for this morning, the same God. The same God that what? The same God I put my faith in because the argument for a designer is actually more reasonable than putting my faith in a theory that something exploded from nothing and evolved magically into everything. Just a few years ago, scientists came forward and admitted that the universe is expanding. They didn't want to admit the universe was expanding because they understood that admitting that the universe is expanding was admitting that the universe had an origin. And admitting that the universe had an origin was admitting that the universe and everyone and everything in it has an originator. See, the same God that said in the beginning, let there be light, created all things, and in him all things were created. And he is the one who is alive and available for us this Easter Sunday, 2022. The same God that warned Noah in the midst of intolerable evil. And if you think it's evil right now, then you just wait until evil continues to escalate as Jesus said it would in the days of Noah. But I came to prophesy and remind the church this morning that as evil escalates, we should not become angry, but we should begin to operate in a sense of urgency. He didn't say freak out, run around, and get mad at everybody. He said, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall the sun and the coming of the son of man be if the sun rises in the east at dawn then you better get ready for the son of God to reappear in the east at any time you can know no matter how evil things become that if just one family will stay faithful If just one person in one family will stay faithful, then the ark of God will carry you through the storms of life. The same God that told Abraham to come outside of his tent because you can't stay where you are and get where God wants you to be. He said, come out of your tent 
and begin to count the stars because I'm about to pour out upon you land and descendants as you begin to receive the blessing of heaven. He then asked Abraham to bring Isaac, his only heir, the 25-year fulfillment of a promise, and lay him on an altar at the top of a mountain. But as he was tying Isaac up on one side of the mountain, there was a lamb coming up on the other side of the mountain because God wanted Abraham to know what he's declaring to us, that every time you receive a promise, you have to remember that the promise is never more important than the presence and if you'll be obedient to the sacrifice come on then I'll be faithful in surrender I will provide what you cannot provide but you must be obedient so Genesis chapter 15 verse 5 says Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness showing us that as long as we're obedient and we do what God calls us to do, and it's not about works. It's just the evidence thereof. As long as we're obedient to the will of God for our lives, then he will provide our every need according to his riches and glory in the resurrected Savior whose name is Jesus. The same God that wrestled with Jacob the deceiver stayed up with him all night until he became Israel triumphant in God. The same God that caused every evil thing to be turned to the good of Joseph and the entire nation of Israel. The same God that took a prophet, put him in a basket, sent him up the Nile River and planted him in Pharaoh's palace. The same God that then spoke to that isolated vagabond on the backside of a desert, hiding from his own calling. He spoke to Moses out of a burning bush that was not consumed. And he said, I need you to go back where I put you. I need you to go and tell Pharaoh and all of the people that I am who I am is getting ready to be who he is. Let my people go. The same God that parted the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh's army as a modern-day illustration of what it looks like when somebody is buried with Christ in baptism and rises to walk in the newness of life. The same God that baptized that army and baptized that nation and brought them in a moment out of 400 years of slavery into salvation. In one moment, he brought them from persecution and punishment into the promise that he had for them. I came to tell somebody this Easter Sunday, that if the devil couldn't keep the Israelites slaved and strained, then he can't keep you enslaved and strained. You just need to take one step through the living water and you will go from darkness to light, from slavery to salvation, from bondage to beautiful. But you can only do it in his name and by his power. He is the same God that provided manna every morning, quail from the sea, water from the rock, and a 
fire to follow through the darkness. He is the same God that as the nation marched around the walls of Jericho, that those walls came down and became a stairway into the promised land. He is the same God that took a shepherd boy who was minding his own business, gave him five stones and a slingshot, and caused him to defeat a demonic giant armed with a sword and a spear because the boy understood that the devil could come at him with carnal weapons, but his weapons of warfare were not natural but supernatural and able to abolish strongholds and break down every demonic thing that the enemy tried to have. You may come at me with sword and spear, devil, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. I come to you in the spirit of the most high. See, God had to send a boy because all the so-called men were too scared to take a step of faith. Let me preach to the men for just a minute. And I don't think I am one. I'm just trying to be. I ask the Lord constantly, God, help me to be the son that you created me to be so that I can be the husband that she needs me to be. God, help me to be the son that you created me to be so I can be the daddy that they need me to be. Father, help me to be the son that you need me to be so that I can be the man that you've called me to be. Because every time a man decides to stop walking in the anointing and in the calling, the women and the children began to wonder in their identity. If you want to look and you want to know what is wrong with this nation and why so many people seem to be so confused in their identity, then just look around at all the men who have become content outside of their calling. But I'm telling you today, what the devil couldn't do in 400 years, God can do in four minutes if the men of God will begin to rise up and walk in the anointing of God. Because when we begin to operate in our anointing, they begin to discover their identity. It's the same God has had a habit of raising up just a faithful few no matter how fallen. Ladies, let me just reiterate today that you don't need a man to fill the void that only the Son of Man can fill. That if you're not the bride of somebody else, you are the bride of Christ. And if a man around you doesn't stand up, then the man inside of you will cause you to stand up and you will fulfill the role like Rahab did, like Deborah did, like the prophets do, like the pastors do, and dare I say, even some politicians today discover and actually do. See, our God has always been faithful to this word. He is the same God. Oh, I got to preach it a little more than I have been. See, Elijah went up on the mountain surrounded by false prophets. Elijah went up on the mountain surrounded by agendas and propaganda. Elijah stood up on the mountain and he was all alone surrounded by the king and the queen and their army. 
But Elijah said on that day, what I believe that the church is going to have to stand in on this day, that I'm going to put the altar I'm going to put the sacrifice and let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. I don't need the God to answer with sugar. Come on, somebody. I don't need him to answer with sweet tea. I don't need Jesus to answer with the things that I want. I need him to answer with a fire on the inside that is greater than the persecution on the outside. And the same God sent fire down upon the altar of Mount Carmel. The same God raised up the Shunammite son from the dead. The same God healed the pagan general named Naaman from being devoured by his own flesh. The same God that multiplied the widow's oil. Come on, if God can multiply the widow's oil in some vessels, then he can multiply finances in 2022 and build some buildings debt-free in the name of Jesus. I believe that we serve the same God that delivered the Hebrew boys from the fire of Nebuchadnezzar so that they came out of the other side of their tribulation not even smelling like smoke. I believe we serve the same God today that Daniel served when he was thrown in the pit full of lions but he laid down and took a nap because the one angel that was for him was greater than ten demonic powers and principalities that tried to kill him. I believe we serve the same God that delivered his people out of Babylonian captivity that rebuilt the temple that restored all the altars and reestablished the wall I believe we serve the same God this Easter that told a young virgin woman that she would give birth to a son and his name should be called Emmanuel meaning God has left his throne and come down to dwell with us this is the promise that we call Christmas and this promise separated the old covenant from the new that God, unlike any other system of faith, wanted to be with his people so desperately that he was willing to come down and do for them what they could never do for themselves. And if Christmas is the promise, then Easter and the empty tomb is the proof that he was and he forever will be. That boy who was fully God and fully man grew up to teach teachers by the age of 12. He began to heal lepers by the age of 30 and he put himself on a cross called Calvary within three years of his ministry just to prove to the world why he came. The same God is right now calling the uncallable. The same God this morning is right now raising the unraisable. He's awakening the sleepy. He is continuing today to do what he did throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he is performing the unimaginable. With man, these things are impossible, but with the God that I serve, I have read his word, and I have experienced his presence. With my God, all things are possible. So he came to save the unsavable. The one person in the room or watching online who thinks they have wandered too far from grace. We discussed this in our parenting group not too long ago, that if you think you are in a 10-foot hole, 
God is letting down an 11 foot ladder for you to climb out on. If you think you're in a thousand foot hole, Jesus is about to become the 1,001 foot ladder that you can climb back out of the hole upon. Jesus, he saved the unsavable, the Samaritans, the mixed breeds, the Gentiles, the pagans. Jesus came prophesying the same thing that I begin to wrap up this Easter message with today. Jesus declared, we serve the same God that said blind eyes, open up. Deaf ears, unlock. Demonic spirit, be delivered. Bondage, addiction, destruction, be broken and set free. Lazarus, come out. You know why I said Lazarus' name? Because if he would have just said, come out, then every dead man, woman, and child for the previous historical existence of man would have started walking around the earth trying to go back home to their family. He had to define it because that's what he had declared around 2500 B.C. As I referenced in the opening, God cleansed the earth by water in a flood. On that day that we celebrate as Good Friday, God again cleansed the earth, but this time instead of using water in a flood, he cleansed humanity with his son by his blood. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, dealt with 4,000 years of sin in three days. He came out of a Roman sealed and guarded tomb. He revealed himself to 500 people in 40 days who had previously been so scared that they scattered and hid. But something happened to the apostles between that day and the day of Pentecost. Something took place in the disciples between the moment that they scattered like ants and the day that they stood on the day of Pentecost and led with the 11, 3,000 people to open up the New Testament church and have it spread like wildfire across the Roman Empire. Jesus ascended into the heavens and the angel of God promised that as they saw him go, we shall see him return in power and great glory. So let me read Romans chapter 8, verse 11 one more time because you missed it the first time. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And if the same God raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the same God who raised Jesus to walk out of that tomb Reveal himself and send his promised Holy Spirit 
The same God that raised him wants to raise you, wants to raise us this Easter.